0: Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCards, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stustle Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, the Retro Vixen, Adam from the Good, the Bad, the Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Mera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash event Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, and Ryan Player One. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated.
1: Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover.
0: Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we tangentially tickle teeny titties towards tentacle titillation. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host Chris Copeland with special guest Martin from the Reviews Brothers, and as always, your host Shane. Maniacal world's dominating tentacle dick.
1: Kaski I just I want to put it out there that we are equal opportunity when it does in fact come to, to the titties. So I, I just wanted to say. That you know, it's it's not just the the itty bitty titty committee, but you know we we accept all kinds here,
0: all shapes and sizes. That's right. No discrimination when it comes to titties,
1: none whatsoever,
0: none. <laughs> but welcome to another episode <laughs> of the Ratchet Hangover Podcast. Leave the weird podcast. pause in
1: there; it's that's key.
0: <laughs> Our guest is probably wondering what the fuck they got themselves into here. Welcome to the show. Martin from the Reviews Brothers, how are you doing today?
2: I'm very well. I like boobies. There you go. <laughs>
0: Fantastic.
1: All shapes and sizes. I agree. I love to hear that. All right. Well, that's our show for today. So thank you for joining us. <laughs> See you next us. week.
0: Yep. <laughs> we're gonna do a titty review show on our Patreon, <laughs> and we're just going to we're gonna take a picture of a titty, any titty from anybody, and we're going to review it. Uh, by the way, they're all going to be ten out of ten. Just uh, <laughs> submit your titty pictures to uh titties at... <laughs> links are in the socials everybody I'm not going to turn down your titty pics I mean Shane is probably going to be completely disgusted with me after this but I have no shame I have no shame I'm not promising anything return in fact you're probably not going to get it but if you do want to submit your titty pics um Oh, please. Oh, God. I'll actually, I take all this back because I can see this going horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to be having to do a, a YouTube or Twitter apology.
1: If we had a legal team, they would be shitting themselves right now.
0: They totally mm. would. They totally would. P- please don't send me pictures of your titties.
1: Yeah, I, d- I don't want to have to go on record playing a small <laughs> stringed instrument and giving a half-assed apology. Yeah. A
0: ukulele, Shane. Ukulele. <laughs>
1: I was being non-specific, kind of.
0: <laughs> but we are here today to talk about a PC classic game, apparently, and uh, that game is wow. Day of the Tentacle. I, we'll I will get to it. <laughs> and before we get to that, as we are want to do, we will be talking about the games we have been playing lately. So, Martin, how about you get us start kicked off here as our guest and let us know, hey, what have you been up to? What have you been playing, man? Good question. A couple of things, really.
2: Uh, I actually just acquired from a friend of mine my first ever original Xbox. So I've been playing a few OG Xbox games, most recently one called Enclave, which is pretty cool. It's like a third-person action-slash-adventure sort of jobby. Uh, And that's really good fun, and there's quite a lot to it. Hmm. And I really do like going back to these old games, because... They're kinda of janky, but you can really see where modern games have got their sort of start, if you know what I mean, because that was kind of early 3D-ish still. But other than that, I've been playing Doom, but not the remake. Not well, re, you know, not the 2016 one. The the original Doom. I've rekindled my love for it. Hell yeah. And I've been playing it with a hell of a lot of mods. And man, it's so, so good. It it was my brother's fault because he told me about a mod for it called My House. I don't know if you've seen anything about My House. Oh,
1: geez. Yeah.
2: I'd never heard of it. And my brother just said to me, yeah, check because, you know, I had Doom. And he said, get the My House mod for it. But don't look at anything about it. Just play it. And I think the first time I played it, I beat it in about like three or four minutes. It was very quick. And then I was like, "Okay, I must have missed something. And I went back in and I went on the map and it tells you there's like 300 enemies or something like that. And I was like, oh shit, because I only killed about 12 of my first playthrough. So I was trying to find all these enemies and then it goes crazy. Um, It was fantastic. But then since then, I've been getting so many mods for it. And uh, Doom is a game I will never get bored of. I don't think there's there's so much life in the old girl,
1: as they say. Mm. All right. He's now officially my favorite guest.
0: Yes. You have just made love to Shane's ears. Oh good. You're a Doom man, are you?
2: I am, indeed. Excellent. Are you what are you sorry, I'm gonna doom nerd out for a minute. Are you G Z dooming it? Or G Z? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually I I've, I've gotten to the point now where I can't even I can't I can't go back. I can't play like yeah. stock doom anymore because once uh-huh. I played through with uh Brutal Doom and then yeah, like some additional yeah. stuff like the the uh, soundtrack re- replacement and things like yeah. that. It's just oh man, it, it, it's yeah. so good. It's unbelievable.
2: It, it, it's amazing how it really does prove that if it's good game design, it will just it'll be timeless.
1: It would never get old. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean yeah. Doom is one of the ones that I go back to and play through from start to yeah. finish, probably like once a year.
2: Same, same. That and Duke Nukem 3D as well. I'm a really big fan of the old DOS shooters. Mm-hmm. And that and Duke Nukem 3 can they're my sort of comfort games. You know, when I've got 20 minutes to kill, I'll just be like, yeah, I'll just bang on Doom and probably beat the first two chapters in about 20 minutes now I've memorized them. Heck yeah. But the mods are, are so, so good.
0: Yes. <laughs> Shane actually scares me about how good he is at, at Doom. Really, I've played Doom. I enjoy Doom to an extent, but just you know, it just wasn't one of my games. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's fair. I've seen Shane play some Doom on stream, and I'm just like, I, I can't. Like, I am. If I ever try to play Doom on stream after Shane plays it, I'm going gonna have to steal his footage and just say, look how good <laughs> I am, and then just completely because no, it would <laughs> yeah. be, it would be horrifically embarrassing. It's worth practicing, though. I I won't dispute that. I'm just not a big fan of first-person shooters, unfortunately. I don't know what it is.
2: Oh, fair enough. Hmm.
0: This thing is my anti-PC bias, which is probably going to shine in this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> That's a That's... good segue over to Shane. What have you been playing lately?
1: Man, not much. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately, but just real life has been doing its thing. so. I haven't had a ton of time to really sit down and sink any significant amount of time into a game. Spent a little bit of time trying to actually finish up the campaign and clear the map and whatnot in Diablo 4 prior to Season 1 starting, and I didn't quite get there. I also have not actually started a seasonal character yet, partially because of just time and partially because boy is blizzard doing blizzard things right now and i really wish that that was if i had been saying that like 20 years ago that would have had a very different vibe to it but alas here we are basically i i'm fairly convinced that the diablo development team just doesn't have a fucking clue how to properly balance their own game so that's neat but I'll probably end up rolling a rogue because rogues are the only class right now that are like actually really good and fun to play and have interesting mechanics and sorcerers are effectively dead. So that's neat for now. I really hope they turn it around. I feel like it's going down the same path as like, I should have expected this really, because even if you look at Diablo two and three, they kind of follow a same pattern where, if you take the the rose colored glasses off for a moment and actually remember the original release of diablo 2 you might recall that it was not exactly stellar it wasn't bad but it, it had some very rough edges and it wasn't until lord of destruction that that game really shined and sort of the same deal with d3 where it was kind of well it was more of a shit show in the beginning thanks to the real money auction house and overtuned uh you know, torment difficulties, et cetera, etc. Cetera. But it wasn't until Reaper of Souls came out that that game really came into its own. So I guess what I'm saying is that Diablo 4 has got some good bones, but I expect that it's not going to be the game that we all want it to be for like another, let's say year or so when the inevitable expansion drops, I would think. So I guess we'll look forward to that. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's really just been kind of getting some little micro gaming time in on my phone when I can still still playing Necromerger regularly. That's a fun one. I think I turned Ashton on to that because he's been playing it a lot, too. But that one's been going now for a couple of years, actually, I think at this point. But uh, it's, that's a fun time killer. I've been kind of plinking around at a few other iOS games, trying to find some decent ones that aren't Predatory garbage. Um, and you know, I found a few. Dark Mist is a pretty cool card-based roguelike, if you wanna check that out. And I actually just got one recently called Bright Reappear, which is not the best name in the world, but it's actually a pretty solid, like rogue-ish RPG side scroller, but it's like match three with its mechanics on how you do combat. And it's actually pretty well done. And I think it was on sale recently, so another one to check out but that's really all i've had time to do i mean my wife at least has gotten some time in on tears of the kingdom so she's enjoying that so far that's good but yeah that's that's kind of it for me man like i got i got other stuff i want to play but it's just uh trying to find the time although i did i did play the game du jour today literally right up until the <laughs> beginning of this recording <laughs> may or may not have been why i was a little late to the show. But hey, I got it done, though. So that's neat. That is very neat. Yeah. Thank you. What about you, Chris? What have you been doing?
0: So I'm going to start off by saying I've been playing a game called Signalis mm. that I'm going to continue that's to play One I have to play. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm probably playing that before another game I'm, I'm going to have to play here. Uh, but which push will be our next episode. But I'll say that Signalis is fine. Uh, I'll I'll keep a lot of that to my chest, mostly because I will be talking about it soon with maybe someone you're very familiar with on another podcast. I don't know who that might be, Shane, but I, I feel like I know him.
1: I there that is a strong
0: possibility, very strong. I think so. So be on the lookout for promotion for that. Uh, the other game I've been playing, and this is also a game I'll be doing on another podcast. And the only reason I'm going to go into more depth with this is because fuck you, Danny from Retro Wars. <laughs> fuck fuck you, because I, you know what? I've earned this because I made I made you play the bouncer and I made you play Bubsy 3D. So in comparison, this isn't such a bad trade off, but fuck you for making me play Dragon Quest II. that game <laughs> sucks. That game is complete and total shit. It sucks. I'm sorry. I know I'm kind of blowing the load on whatever episode comes out. I'm not going to talk about it in full detail to make that episode a little bit better, but. When there's old RPGs, and I like old RPGs, we've reviewed the original Dragon Quest. We both like Dragon Quest. I've also been on Danny's show to talk about the original Dragon Quest, and that game has a calming zen to this. Dragon Quest 2 is just uh, bullshit. It's just (laughs) bullshit. That's all it is, is bullshit. It's not total bullshit until later, but then it becomes bullshit. So I look forward to talking about this on your show, Danny. I I just wanted to let you know that. That I will be coming over there. I will be ripping down this game. Especially because I know you said you don't like Breath of Fire. Fuck you. Breath of Fire is a good game. But have I earned this? Yes, I have earned this. This is, this is karma for making you play Bubsy 3D while you're recovering from a concussion in, in your house. Wow. Talk about
1: kicking a man when he's down. Jesus.
0: <laughs> I will do what I do. Bubsy 3D must be played in the greatest state of misery. Or else it's not (laughs) worth playing. Isn't that right, Toby and Goose? You're treating
1: Bubsy like it's the VHS from The Ring. You're just just passing that shit off to the next person. You're goddamn right. Everyone's going to play that game. Everybody. It's going to be my fault. I do feel like that, though. When you've
2: got a game that's so bad, you need everyone else to play it. To go, it's not just me. It really is this bad. It is. Because I did... Bubsy 3D and holy hell Jesus you know when you like it can't be that bad surely and then you try it and then shit and it is bad <laughs> just bad
0: I remember that review of yours it was, uh, it was very good it was very good I know we, we did some pile on campaigning too that was a fantastic time
2: <laughs> yeah Toby and Goobs got round to it as well so that was good
1: poor old Goobs ah well well, I suppose we probably ought to uh wrap up the the waffle and get to get to why we're all here, which is to talk about Day of the Tentacle, so Chris, would hi. you mind? Hi, hello. Would you mind uh giving the the fine folks at home a little bit of uh brief history about Day of the Tentacle? <laughs>
0: The adventure genre was a hallmark of the PC gaming scene for much of the 1980s and early 1990s. Many of the biggest games on the platform before Doom could be described as point-and-click games. One of the biggest driving forces behind this genre was LucasArts. You know, the company that most people think of today as the makers of Star Wars games. But point-and-click fans know them for titles like The Secret of Monkey Island, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and most importantly for this episode, Maniac Mansion. Maniac Mansion established the Scum Engine, which aptly stands for Script Creation Utility for Maniac Mansion, and was used to develop all of LucasArts Adventures games until 1998. With Maniac Mansion being such a hit for LucasArts, they eventually set their sights on the creation of a sequel. To head the project, two developers who had been successful in assisting in the making of the Monkey Island games, Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman, were tapped to lead development of the new title. They would work with the original creators of Maniac Mansion, Gilbert and Gary Winnick, to establish the initial phases of planning and writing. The team found the idea of time travel appealing, particularly the notion of making radical changes in the past to help solve a minor inconvenience in the present. They set the game in three distinct periods, Revolutionary War, the present, and 200 years into the future. Additionally, they would carry over their favorite characters from Maniac Mansion to be focal points. They also decided on their art style and designed the characters before fully getting into development, something they felt was a major issue in Monkey Island 2. The art style was also something the staff took very seriously, as they spent a total of a year focusing on the animation alone. Day of the Tentacle was released on June 25, 1993 for the PC in North America. Critics loved the game, saying it approved upon the original release in almost every conceivable way. They praised the game's animation, humor, and superb voice acting, which was a first for LucasArts Adventure Games. While some critics felt the game was too short, most found it to be one of the best, if not THE best, adventure game ever created. Commercially, however, it did not fare as well selling only around 80,000 copies. Interestingly, this is considered a success for an adventure game, as many of its developers considered it so, as it was more successful than even the acclaimed Monkey Island games. Today, Day of the Tentacle is still regarded as one of the premier games of its genre, ranking in many best games lists over the years. It was remastered in 2016 for the PC, PS4 and PS Vita, with the Xbox One receiving a release in 2020 to much similar praise. Its legacy is certainly something important to many fans of the genre, and it was perhaps the apex of its era before the adventure genre slowly declined for a long time. And that is your brief history of Day of the Tentacle. all
1: right thank you chris for that brief history ah man all right so going i guess we're just going to kind of roll into our our personal experiences here and i believe if i am not mistaken that we we generally like to kick things over to our most esteemed guest first Mm -hmm. so uh so martin tell tell us a little bit about uh what do you what do you know about the tentacle
2: well This is actually a game that I have played since it was released. My brother got it for our PC. We used to be, I wouldn't say PC gamers, but we had an equal mix of PC and console games. But yeah, this was one of the ones that we had. He had the big box uh, CD version, so it was the one with all the voices on it, and we played the hell out of it. Um, we were actually big Adventure Game fans. We did have the Monkey Island games. We had this. We had Full Throttle. Uh, we had Indiana Jones at the Faint of Atlantis. Just about everything that was going. Sam and Max hit the road. You name it, we had it. We, we were big fans of the LucasArts games. So yeah, I, I've played through this quite a few times in my many, many years. Uh, and then, of course, when the remaster came out, as you mentioned, I had to get it pretty much straight away. So I've actually got that on the PlayStation 4, and that's what I played through it with this time around. So
0: very familiar. So what's what's interesting to me, uh, looking at the brief history and just looking up some notes, I'm not sure when this game came out in Europe. Did it come out much later? Because I could initially it seemed like it only came out here in North America.
2: Good question. I, I don't know. We It would have been the 90s. Probably around, like, 93-ish, maybe before then even. It would have been early to mid-90s, I believe, that we were playing it. When when did it come out in North America? Uh, It came out
0: June of 1993.
2: Okay, so it probably was around that sort of time, maybe a bit later in the year, but I'm I'm terrible with remembering when stuff came out. But, yeah, it
0: was uh, definitely mid-90s. Makes sense. And, of course, like, Who knows how PC releases went back then? It was kind of yeah, it was what it was. They came out when they did. I mean, most games did. Mm. So it's always Mm. hard to pin things down.
2: Yeah, and this was at a time where like we never we didn't look at the magazines, and of course the internet wasn't a thing. So it would just be you see it on the shelf and go, "That's got a cool box. That's the one I want to get." And that's yeah. (laughs) So we didn't know anything about it before getting it. I don't think, and I'm pretty sure it was the first one of these type of games we got before we started getting onto the other ones like Monkey Island, etc.
0: I'm going to go here next. I'm just going to use it for soapbox because um, I, I never played this game before. This is my first time playing it there. That's the that's the brief and short here uh, as a console gamer. This is where I'm going to stand as a console gamer. And I'm sorry uh, if if I insult the PC gamers and venture game genre, especially after you saying you, you were into them so much here, Martin. But it got it sold 80,000 copies and it was better than Monkey Island. in all these years, all this oxygen soaked up praising Monkey Island. This is all time PC classic <laughs> that everybody played and everybody loved. Listen, PC gamers, I don't hate you. but I want you to understand something. This might be one of the reasons console gamers do not like you. Is because when people, when you, when everywhere you go, it says Secret of Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle and everyone played this and everyone loved it. And I see the sales being 80,000. No, they didn't. Not everyone. Not everyone played this game. Not everyone played this game. It's okay. Okay. It's not like I go around and say everyone played like Coden or something like that for the PlayStation, even though that sold like apparently seven times the amount of copies this did. That's fine. Yeah, sure. Big, big time PC release here. Everybody. It's all. Everyone knows Day of the Tentacle.
1: I mean, That's my soapbox. listen, you know, everything is relative, Chris. I mean, <laughs> this was a time when home pcs were not nearly as ubiquitous as they are now and you know it's it 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 was it was you know it was big amongst folks who were fortunate enough to have access to a pc let's let's put it that way
0: how many millions of copies did doom sell the year prior or the Uh, same year? you know i mean it doesn't
1: really (laughs) matter chris everything is relative i i don't know I, i i got nothing (laughs)
2: <laughs> I want to know if there's a Day of the Tentacle Doom mod now,
1: that'd be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. That, not, now I'm intrigued. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyway, Shane, uh, there, there's my soapbox because I don't really have any personal experience. How about yourself?
1: I mean, I, you know what, I, I'm not going to be much better, frankly. I did not have any personal experience with Day of the Tentacle, or Maniac Mansion for that matter, like, like at all. I, I had played a number of other adventure games, you know, point and click games. Some of the King's Quest ones, but those actually, oddly enough, came a little bit later. Um, I didn't play them back in the day. And also, strangely enough, I never touched Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, though you think I would have given that I was and still am a, a pretty big fan of the <clears throat> trilogy, uh, such <laughs> as it is. Indeed, um, the three the three movies that were made, and then they never did anything else with it because it was fine.
0: Yeah, not that I've heard.
1: Yeah, so I I didn't play those. I did play some Monkey Island, uh, but that was because we had it at the computer lab at our school, and so like during free time, we were allowed to like play games. So I'd play stuff like Lemmings or Secret of Monkey Island, or or things like that. Uh, SimCity as well, I believe, and. Honestly, the only other big one that immediately comes to mind for me, I think was like grim fandango i that was because a buddy of mine and I kind of played through that one together, so we 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 enjoyed that one but yeah, i just i I don't know this i know for some reason this never came across my radar. I don't know why it just never yeah. happened, especially as someone who had a regular subscription to p c gamer magazine for a very long time as a kid slash teenager you would have thought that. This would have been something that, you know, I I would have definitely checked out, but I don't know. Just never happened. Huh.
0: If anyone I mean, aside aside from Martin, because this is why you're a guest
1: here, because we know you had experience <laughs> with, uh, with that with <laughs> that. We we brought him on to prop up the episode. That's really what it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Jesus, we need somebody <laughs> to talk about this.
0: I would have assumed you would have had more experience. That's interesting.
1: Uh, to be disappointed.
0: Oh, I mean. I'm already here, so I'm I'm already disappointed. I've established a disappointment, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a rock star today because, well, experience <laughs> here. But I guess that goes into the plot and writing. I think I'll kick this one off here. The plot, just a brief synopsis here. This is the sequel to Monkey uh not Monkey Island. This is the sequel <laughs> to Maniac Mansion. Both we'll start with M's. Apparently, you have to go save the... Your hamster shows up and you have to go save, you know, your old scientist friend, which I didn't think was your friend in the first one. I don't know. I need to go back and go back and play Maniac Mansion. All I know is you could die in that game. You can't in this one. Spoiler. Like you have to go to the mansion because a tentacle, which you see in the intro, has become evil and very, very smart and is going to take over the world. And of course, a time machine is made and the tentacle goes into the past and starts dominating the world or you're trying to stop it by going into the past. Or something like that you're you're trying to go to the day before and it screws up there
1: my (laughs) god do do you need assistance chris
0: i probably do (laughs) do you need help with this shane please please help me because i'm dying
1: uh someone get this man a life alert uh okay so (laughs) let's see this is like five years after the events of maniac mansion and the the purple tentacle which was created by dr fred uh fred edison to be specific He, he ends up drinking this toxic sludge from a, a river that's behind Dr. Fred's lab. And it basically causes him to mutate and become super intelligent. And of course, with that, you know, he wants to seek world domination in much similar manner to like a, a pinky in the brain kind of scenario, I guess, except he's actually successful at it. Dr. Fred's plan is to use the time machine that he has to send you and your two friends back in the past one day so go back yesterday and turn off the sludge machine before he can drink from it that that is the entire conceit of course things go completely awry because dr fred is using a friggin' dollar store diamond (laughs) to power his machine and so it immediately fractures and breaks and everything gets screwed up and one of you gets sent 200 years in the past to the colonial era and one gets sent forward 200 years in the future. And the whole, like, I, I don't like to use the word gimmick because that seems reductive, but like the whole mechanic, I guess that this game really revolves around other than your standard point and click adventure game type stuff is that because you have two characters that are in other timelines um, you have the ability to pass items back and forth from the 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 past and the future and the present th- through the time machine, which is uh, a porta potty called the John. And so yes. you can flush things, and then they'll show up in the in the past or the future. And so you have to solve your point and click puzzles by flushing items to different timelines. So there you go.
0: Fun fact, this is where they got the idea for Crone Trigger.
1: <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that an actual, is that, is that a fact, huh? No. Okay, great. <laughs> don't
0: say you didn't ever learn anything here. But it could be if you make, if you say it enough.
1: <laughs> if we post to Elon Musk's X enough times. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one. Just keep going.
0: I don't know either. By the way, if, if we're probably going to spoil some of this intentionally or unintentionally, I don't care. So spoilers here for Day of the Tentacle. Martin, what do you think of this game's plot?
2: I really like it. The whole mm-hmm. humour that they use in the whole game is, is my kind of humour. It's just dumb. Most of the jokes... Well, they're kind of clever but dumb in the same breath. It's, it's, quite, it's very well written. And something I really like as well is that it's set in the same house, just over the three separate time periods. And so Mm. over the, you know, the house has changed slightly. The layout's the same, but it's, you know, it starts off as like a meeting place for George Washington and it turns into a motel and then it's a a human prison in the future. Um, But it's all the same house. But I, I, I do think the plot is really well done for a time travel game. It doesn't try and do anything complicated and it's stupid enough, like deliberately stupid enough to, not make you go, well that's going to make some kind of crazy space-time continuum explosion, you kind of forgive it immediately, because it's just daft.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to agree with everything you're saying here. Like, if there's one thing I really like about this game, it's that the writing is spot on. Mm. The humour isn't like, it's not slapstick, it's it's very subdued, I wouldn't say incredibly dry. But it's it's definitely goofy. Like the entire game is just this low key, mellow, goofy. I, I, there's probably a word to describe it that I'm missing, but like it's really fun because you can tell mm. it feels like the developers here, you know, uh, uh, Schaefer and, and Grossman here, they had a fantastic time making this game, and that's what it feels like. That's what it exudes. That the developers themselves are just they were having a blast. Like you said, like the founding the founding fathers, like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, was it was it Adams? I don't know. But they're Uh, complete doofuses.
1: Jefferson, Washington, and Hancock. Because there's that whole there's that that whole whole bit about like John Hancock signing like ten times bigger than everybody else, and he's just like, "Well, I I did it because (laughs) I heard that the the women are into dudes with big signatures."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, but like they're just complete doofuses. And it's yeah. hilarious. And like one of the times that you take a couple items from the present and you take like George Washington's teeth and you give him the scar that blows up. So his dentures blow up, of course, because they're supposed to be wooden teeth and, and like this American mythos lore. And then you give him the chattering teeth. So it makes it makes John Hancock convince Thomas Jefferson that it's cold to finally start a fire because all he is is like shivering in the corner like, could you start a fire? And he's like, no, you know, it's just like <laughs> they're so. It's it's like so funny, but it's not like this ridiculous over the top funny. Uh and it's yeah. it's just it's just great. It feels like it does have that feel of British humor to it. I know I'm I'm like kind of stereotyping here. I'm sorry, but it does have that like very British feel to it. Yeah, it really does though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things as well is that it's kind of I don't know how to explain it, but kind of like you know how like the uh, the Naked Gun movies where Leslie Nielsen's character is saying all this really ridiculous, stupid stuff, but with a completely straight face. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the humor's like, is they're saying all this really stupid stuff, but none of it's a joke. And that's kind of what makes it funny, is like they're being completely serious the whole time.
0: But what they're saying is yeah. just dumb. Absolutely. 100%. Shane, what did you think?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I totally dig the vibe that this game has I I knew that I would anyway because this type of humor is absolutely up my alley and knowing having played you know some of the other games in uh in his repertoire I kind of knew what I was getting into with Tim Schaefer. so I I generally like a lot of what he does and so yeah no I the other thing really and this well I don't I guess maybe I'll save this one because this kind of dovetails into the graphical presentation a little bit but I I do think that just the general package deal that you're getting here along with the completely inane plot I think really really sells it Um, and it's very much like of that time like even if you look at the box art for the game it's it's an art style that looks like it could have been a show on like Nickelodeon in like Mm -hmm. 1992 or something you know Uh, but no I, I really liked the plot actually it is completely ridiculous but I think it's to, to I think to Martin's point, it's done in a way that's so like it's so well written and like delivered in such a deadpan manner that like you can't help but appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: favorite characters. Did you all have a favorite character? Because I know I definitely did.
1: Hoagie. <laughs> it's
0: all about Hoagie for me.
1: Uh, Shane. I don't know. It's kind of a tough call. I really do like Hoagie, which I guess should probably make sense. I, I can't. <laughs> I kind of like Laverne, though. I'm not going to lie. Do you know what? Now you said, yeah, she's
2: a bit crazy, isn't she, really? When, like, there's a bit where you go and speak to the doctor and because you pretend to be sick, and she's disappointed that he's not going to cut her open.
0: It's just a bit like, okay. It's very odd. Just grabs everything. Another specimen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've read somewhere that she was based off one of the developer's ex-girlfriends. (laughs) Like, Oh, no. (laughs) Emphasis on the ex, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. My favorite was Hoagie as well, just because of his extremely like does not care his complete apathetic yeah. attitude towards everything, a total Gen X ty- kind of attitude. <laughs> just like I oh, don't know, man. Here you go. Like yeah, that's cool, dude. Like um, do whatever. I love it. I love it. Uh, Laverne, I appreciated Laverne. I did. Like it. It bothered me at first because the way she walks and the animation just looks a little off. Because mm. she like. When you first get her, she likes she's walking with her arms out, kind of like a a T-Rex who's been split open. (laughs) And it's kind of weird. I think she was a little too crazy at the beginning of her story. But as it like progressed, as you're trying to get out of the future, like it showed that she, she had some cunning to her craziness as well. Yeah. Which made her grow on me. It actually developed her as a character, not like majorly. I don't think there's any major development to any of these characters, really, because it's no. so just so goofy. Bernard, I couldn't stand for what it's worth. I didn't care for him at all, which is ironic because that was their favorite character from Maniac Mansion, which is why they brought him forward. But he was probably my least favorite one. It sounds like it was the same for you two. I don't think you'd have the same disdain for it. But also the the Edison family, meh. The Doctor's great. Pretty fun. Yeah.
2: I I really like the Doctor, but the rest of them might as well not be there,
1: to be fair. Yeah. I think the other reason that I like Laverne is unless I'm misremembering, I believe she's I think she's the only one that breaks the fourth wall, like explicitly. Yeah. Like especially when it that bit about uh the The callback to maniac mansion about the hamster in the microwave yeah like later when you're thawing the the hamster out and she just like talks directly to the camera and just like don't do this because if kids do this in real life they get taken away from their parents (laughs) and put up for adoption
0: (laughs) yeah that's good i know this goes in more to sound too but the voice acting I know I'm kind of stealing it for later, but the voice acting for all the characters was really well done as well. And I know yeah. we'll talk more about in sound, but I mean, that really does bring the characters to life. It really makes the writing hit home. Mm. Just overall, yeah, the the way that this game was was written, I, I think, was utterly fantastic. It's a great time. It's great. Really enjoyable. But uh, you mentioned the thawing of the hamster, so I guess yes. that leads into the gameplay and... What we think of adventure games, maybe as a whole, I don't know, or this game specifically. I know I don't have a lot of adventure games, so I guess it's going to be my take on this is going to be very interesting. But Shane, what was Mm. what was your what was your take on the gameplay here?
1: You know, I'm going to be honest. I went into this one fully prepared to be frustrated (laughs) just Mm. because of sort of what I know about the genre as a whole. I was expecting some very strange, like esoteric BS where I was just like, I don't understand how anybody could think that that's what you would need to do with this item at that specific place, et cetera, et cetera. And for the most part, this game actually doesn't do that. There's a lot of things that are generally pretty sensible. I I think the solutions to most of like the puzzles make sense when you really think about it i think there's a lot of hints that are given through like npc dialogue and things like that that help like to point in that direction uh, where you wouldn't necessarily get that in a lot of other games there were a few times where i was just like okay i don't know how i would have thought about this this exact like manner but I felt like that was a lot more like far and a few between, uh, especially comparing it to some other adventure games that I've played, particularly like the King's quest series and stuff like that. Those get real convoluted. Mm.
0: So I'm going to sandwich this here because I know you said at the beginning, you you played a lot of tentacles. So I'm going to assume that you're, you're positive Martin, which is why I'm going to go second. (laughs) And I'm going to say, If I didn't have a guide, I think I would have had to play this game for like a month or so (laughs) because there there are things in this game. Yeah, I mean, I was able to make it through a good chunk of this game on my own, like probably maybe the first, I don't know, uh, third or or whatever. Then it just got to the point. Maybe it's because I do remember playing Maniac Mansion as a kid. I have these deep seated memories. I try to lock in my mind vault for the NES. I uh, play Maniac Mansion there, where I remember like the characters dying, and I didn't like that. And so I started being like, "Well, what if I screw up an item, and one of the items I use here, and then I'm I'm just going to end up soft locking myself, and I'm going to have to start this game all over again." And I know that's something that does happen in adventure games from time to time, and I was afraid that might happen here. So it got to a point where it's like, "I don't know if I should have used this item here. I don't know if I'm supposed to use this item there." I screw this up. So I went to a guide. And yeah, some of that's some of that's on me, but there's also times I would be looking at it and I'd be like, there is I don't know if there's any way that anybody would naturally figure this out in some instances, not every single one, but in some instances, without going to every item and trying every item on one specific thing until something just worked. And that I don't think that's good gameplay. I, I think that's terrible gameplay, and I think that's bad game design. Now, does that, was that their intent? Was there clues? I mean, you saw them. Maybe it's just, I'm just stupid, which is entirely possible. <laughs> yeah, sometimes like the, one of the first things you see with the coin on the gum on the floor, and there's all these items that you can use to pick it up, and you have to wait until you get a crowbar. Like, why do you have to wait until you get a crowbar? Additionally to that, and I don't know what it was like in 1993. I know they simplified it. Maybe they simplified it. Maybe it was like this back in the day but uh transferring items between your characters sometimes the way that you transfer your items between the characters is a is a little too convoluted so something that would be used in the future you find an item might have to be used in Hoagie's era but like knowing that you have to do that are there really clues sometimes a little bit but sometimes they're used across all three eras and Sometimes they're era specific and where to locate them and transferring them sometimes is slow and it's a little irritating. And I I just didn't care for that. I could imagine if I wasn't told specifically what character needed what item in order to advance, I would have gotten even more frustrated. Again, this game would have taken a long time, but I think that's something that was kind of intended, like to work your way through and think it through as opposed to, as I say on games, I, I, I get through quickly you know for the purpose of a review as opposed to getting through this game in three to four hours for the purpose of reviewing it that's not their intention that's not why they make these games for people but at the same time i have to think to myself you know what if the shoe was on the other foot would i be able to figure this out intuitively and there are many cases where i can look at it and say i don't i don't think so
1: so when i when i was talking about you know the the puzzle solving and things like that keep in mind that that's relative you know to to other games in the genre because there are much more like egregious offenders. I think when it comes to Mm -hmm. the completely nonsensical off the wall solutions to things like there were some games that I a hundred percent disagree with the design completely because in their seemingly in the developers minds, difficulty equals like uh, obscurity in a way, or I suppose obscurity Mm -hmm. equals difficulty would probably make a bit more sense. And I, I, that was less of the case here. Like, and you know, cards on the table for the purposes of talking about this today. I, I also played through this with a guide for most of it because yes, I finished it in about four and a half hours doing it that way. But I know that if I went into this thing cold and did not use a guide, it would have been at least twice that much time for me to like get through the whole thing with that knowledge though, looking at the solutions to the puzzles. And I know that's sort of a bullshit way of doing it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be honest there because it's like a sort of a hindsight thing of Mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, it totally makes sense now that I know the answer. But for the most part, I did not think the day of the tentacle was like that bad as far as that goes there were a few pieces where i definitely looked at it and was like oh yeah no this would have taken me forever like actually i was talking about the hamster that whole sequence to get the hamster to where you needed <laughs> yeah. to be in order to solve that mm-hmm. that would have taken me forever i'm just gonna be <laughs> honest but like and again you can't even it, really put it in the microwave right but i'm like is that Is that (laughs) something that's should we be laying that at directly at the feet of Day of the Tentacle? I don't think so, because that's just that was point and click games, like just Mm -hmm. as a whole at that time. And like put in that context, I think this game was actually a pretty big step forward as far as like sensible puzzle design is concerned. That's just that's my take on it. Fair point. Fair point.
0: How about yourself, Martin?
2: Yeah, well, if I rewind back to the 90s when I would have first played it, I would have been sitting down with my brother and it, and it would have taken us a month or so to get through it. it. It was one of those things where there were points, again, because this was before the days of the internet, really, so we we did have to just kind of sit there and try and figure it out. And a lot of the puzzles are, they like you say, they do make sense when you're looking at it from the world of the game the game's universe it fits within the game's universe but something that is good about this one that is quite common in a lot of other ones is that there's a lot of like combining of items and things like that which you don't have to worry about here which does make it a bit more simple there's some games you will get three or mm. four items you've got to combine together to make another item but yeah, I, I do think the progression and things, and there are so many items to pick up, and this again is from an era where there's, there's no hand-holding. It's, uh, right, just get on with it. You, you're dumped into this, the lobby of this motel, and you just have to get on with it. And items like the hamster, for example, You'll find that very, very early on and it really doesn't actually pay off until nearly the very end of the game. It is one of those things and you can be sat there scratching your head for ages because you think, well, I've just picked this up. I must need to use it right now. But then it turns out, you know, there's five or six different steps and five hours later before you actually need to, to use what you've got. There was, even when I did this playthrough this time, I mean, I remembered a lot of it, but not all of it. And there were definitely times where I was just trying to brute force my way through. Like you said, just trying every item with every person. And there was, I was actually stuck on a bit for ages where there's a part where you have to put a, a flyer for a vacuum cleaner in the, in the suggestion box. Mm. I'd left it in the toilet. It had been flushed in the Chronogon, and I forgot that I'd left it there. And I spent nearly about 45 minutes wandering around like thinking, where the hell is this bloody flyer? I know I need the flyer, but, uh, and then it would just, yeah. And that was one of the things, like you say, when you're flushing the items, because sometimes when you flush them to the other characters, it automatically goes into their inventory. Whereas I guess sometimes it just stays in the toilet until you go and physically pick it up. And I don't know if that was something I did or or what. But overall, I do, I do enjoy these games. It, the, the more I think about it, the puzzles are probably quite annoying because it's not regular <laughs> logic, it's dodgy video game logic, but it, I think the charm and character of everything does help and gives it a few points in the positive and kind of lets it get away with it a bit, I suppose.
0: Yeah. One, one example I do want to bring up, because you say that you don't have to combine items. I think one time you do for the bucket. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes. So the bucket, you have to put suds in it, Mm. and then I mean, there is a slight clue because like this is not uh you know the colonial revolutionary time or right after the revolutionary war time. Like there's a dirty carriage out there, Mm. and that's the solution to a puzzle. So you have to combine like soap with the bucket, and then combine the brush with the bucket or something. Yeah, that's right. And then you use it on the carriage, and that will cause a rainstorm. Like this is, this is some of the obscurity that I think is a big reason why adventure games died because why would you like, I get it. Like it's kind of, it's a joke. It's a funny joke. Like, yeah. why do you never wash your car? It's because every time I wash my car, it rains and there was, like no point. It was just, I lost all my progress. Like, ha ha ha. Okay. Now I get it. I get the joke, but that's not something I'm like intuitively going to think about or I, that's not something i'm going to think about once i get the bucket is i need the bucket to wash mm. wash the carriage like it just it, it takes a lot of leaps of logic like you said a lot of dumb video game logic which is you know best way to put it but it also comes with like knowing silly little anecdotes that if you're like 14 years old yeah i even even some adults aren't going to be thinking about that right like oh why why would you wash the carriage because i need it to rain. <laughs> what <laughs> like that's a it's very very adult in that sense of humor like like that that's only something someone i wouldn't even like i wouldn't see like someone our age but maybe someone a little bit younger like uh like if you're in your third like early 30s late 20s right that'd be when you'd start to understand that so maybe it's like in that sense it's a very adult adventure game which again i wonder how there's a lot of examples of that which makes me wonder maybe we're just old <laughs> and it doesn't land, or what did people back then? How did they? How did they figure that out? You know, like, what was the way that they they piece those things together? Like through those anecdotes? It's, that's, it's just that's a lot
1: of trial me. and error, is what it is. Yeah,
0: I guess. Yeah, and again, that brings back the question of whether or not it's good game design. Mm. And I say no. Uh, that's me personally. If, unless there's anything else, I think it's time to once again talk something positive. Martin, let's start off with you. What is, How did you think how this game? game looks. We're talking about a grimy carriage, so I I guess graphics is a good way. That's a good segue into (laughs) graphics if there ever was one. Hey, I I did something. Martin, what do you think of the graphics of this game? How's it look?
2: I really love everything about how it looks. Even the original version, the crazy pixel version, uh, which is very, very pixely, but the animation is amazing. All the characters have so much character. And it is the amount of detail everywhere is just insane. I, I really love it. I, yeah, it has so much personality. It does just it's like you're playing a
0: cartoon, basically. I agree with you in terms of the graphics here. Now, the remastered, you know, the remaster starts out with its own version. Very mm. bright, very colorful, very fluid animation. You can tell they put a lot of work into it. Of course, that's not the game that was released in 1993. Yeah. So you do have access to that version in the remastered version. And I do recommend that everyone go check that out because you can see the different gameplay variations. And something we probably should have touched on is how the remastered actually makes it a lot better with like a rotary dial as opposed to mm. all the options in the lower left hand corner. Very welcome because that was a, I found that to be foreign. I don't want to say it sucked because different considerations, different way PCs were set up, different gameplay. Methodologies and they have improved on it's very much improved in that aspect. But in terms of like the original graphics, you're right. Like the fluidity of the animation, the way the characters move. I think this was an era right around or at the same time as as Mist. I don't know if it was before, after, at like the same year. But I would I would take this game over the way that Mist looks. And Mist was always one of those games that people look to it's like, oh wow, look at the graphics. Yeah. But after all these years now, I look. At this game is like a stellar example of what PC gaming was doing in terms of its fluidity of graphics and why you would probably want if you could like optimally want a PC over, you know, like a Super Nintendo or, mm. or a Mega Drive, Sega Genesis. This is like a really good looking game. And like the, the fact that they said they put in year into the animations just to get them down, even though it's very pixelated, you can tell all that effort really paid off. It to be fair, like if you're going to go play this game and you're going to go look at it, I know we tried to talk about the original more so than the remastered, you're going to be playing the remastered. And that version is just it's gorgeous. It's yeah. it's extremely good looking. I mean, it's not going to wow you just because I think a lot of games just kind of do what this does nowadays. But it's it's very visually pleasing to the eye. And the art style is it has that Saturday morning cartoon feel mm. that Nickelodeon had Nicktoons. Uh, did you have Nickelodeon over there? In the, in the UK? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so like, the Nicktoons look, it has a lot of that Nicktoons look, but it wasn't like too over-the-top gross-out humor, so it was it was more like, I like Rugrats. Rugrats would be a good comparison. Yeah. Rugrats or Doug.
1: I feel like it looks more like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, yeah. not as crude.
0: I think it looks a little bit better than Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Real Monsters, maybe? Oh, that's a good know. one. Yeah. I'd say yeah.
2: more that than, yeah, yeah. Because Ed, Ed, and Eddie was a bit rough around the edges, wasn't it?
1: True.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit later, too. I mean, it was I'm, mm-hmm. like definitely of that era. Rocco's Modern Life would probably be another one it was really close to. Hey, Arnold. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So it, it had that look to it. I mean, all these are Nicktoons, by the way. So it definitely <laughs> has that Nicktoons look, even back then. Uh, but today, it's it's much more representative just because it had that that more graphical prowess. So graphically, yes, totally a standout. Something
2: with that I was impressed with as well for the re- remaster, there's so many original animations, because quite often in games like this, they'll just kind of reuse the same animations for throughout the game, whereas this one, every item that you use has its own animation, um, which is often quite funny or elaborate. And there's a lot of things that you kind of don't have to even interact with. But if you do, you get a unique interaction and, and decent, like something will happen, a little mini cutscene scene or something, which is, yeah, it's very impressive. I did hope that the remaster, sorry to keep waffling, but I did hope that the remaster, I Mm -hmm. thought they might have added a bit more, a few more frames of animation here and there, because some of it is still very jerky, but it's still got, you know, they've just basically traced over the original ones, essentially, from what I can tell.
0: Yeah, especially like going back to Laverne's animation. Laverne's animation's very janky. Out of Mm -hmm. all of them, I found that one. Also, in terms of the presentation, I don't like the way it scrolls. Sometimes I wish you could just move without the point and click and especially in those larger maps where you have yeah, to keep that clicking all good, the way through.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I'm playing a point and click adventure. I don't want to play Diablo. would mm-hmm. probably rather play Diablo, but <laughs> I mean, I don't want to play Diablo in my adventure games if I'm going to be doing so. So Shane, what'd you, what'd you think of the graphics?
1: Yeah. Well, since we've been talking kind of so much about the remaster, because I also played it that way, I think that actually is a testament to how well done the graphics really were in the original in that i have played a number of these sort of like put a new coat of paint remasters right and i think the majority of them there's like a a stark contrast right between the original graphical presentation and then the remaster and with the hot swapping that most of them do which this one does also you you really kind of see that in in full effect With this, I was actually very surprised uh, starting off with the remastered graphics and then hitting the, I think it was like F1 or something to swap back and hitting that key and swapping back to the original graphics. I was like, there's actually not a lot of difference here, like in a a good way, in that Mm. like, yeah, really the remaster is just kind of a nice coat of paint over the existing you know, graphical engine and they didn't, it didn't seem like they needed to actually do a whole lot to make it look air quotes modern. And I do think that that is a testament to the game itself. Like the art style is fantastic. You know, as we've already been talking about, you know, it's got that Nickelodeon cartoon vibe to it. And I really enjoy that. And that's something that we've said time and time again on the show, you know, is that really well done 2d artwork is always going to stand the test of time infinitely better than early 3d or or even later 3d Mm. especially if you're trying to go for the the gritty realistic kind of thing then that's gonna age like milk generally but these things will always look good and and i actually found myself swapping back and forth quite a bit just to kind of see you know how it looked in the original versus the remaster and there were times that Well, this is kind of a carryover from gameplay, I guess, but I think Chris was the one that mentioned the the radial dial thing. Mm -hmm. I think that was the one reason I did not play this in the original graphics as often as I probably would have liked to was because swapping back to that also meant you lost that radial menu. And uh, that thing is real helpful. It really cuts down on that sort of like, okay, I need to click pick up down at the bottom okay then hover over the thing and say I want to pick this up and then do that again and then it you know and of course that was just how you know UI was designed at the time so it is what it is but I I really found myself missing that that quick radial menu so I would have spent more time playing this in the OG graphics just because they are still they still look really good Mm. but I think I think it was a gameplay thing that was stopping me from doing that more than anything.
0: You could, you could actually change
1: that. Well, shit, Chris. I wish I would have known that. <laughs> it's fine. I'm done now. So, you know, whatever. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, for the rest uh... of you that are listening to this who haven't played it before or want to play the remaster to re- re-experience Day of the Tentacle. There you go. I guess. Don't be me. Mm. <laughs> Which, oddly enough, is not the first time I've said that on this show.
0: You know, we can make it a thing. We can make it a theme and (laughs) we can make it a thing.
1: We don't have to. That's fine. I mean, we don't have to, but it could be more fun. You never know. (laughs) Well, it's out there now, so.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to the music and sound, which, again, shares a lot of similarities here with how the remastered uh, compared to its original did. We've already mentioned, well, I've already mentioned, and and both of you, I think, kind of agreed that the voice acting here is top notch. The voice acting here is fantastic when it comes to the sound. Uh, The remastered. Version has an incredible soundtrack. The original has a soundtrack. I mean, it's not Wolfenstein 3D. It's it's not bad. It's it definitely. Here's okay. Here's the thing, right? Again, yelling at you, PC Master Racers out there. I know not all of you were born in 1993 before you found social media (laughs) and decided to be edge lords. (laughs) But look, when when you're trying to talk to people that, and this is why there's so many console gamers again that look down on PC gamers. When you're trying to tell them that the PC experience was like universally better and always has been, the sound chip isn't necessarily always there. Like the sound blaster mm-hmm. you know, was probably worse than your Super Nintendo or someone who knew how to work FM, FM synth on a Sega Genesis. Like, look here, you hired Yuzo Koshiro. This game probably would have sound better. It's very inconsistent on the soundtrack. It is very inconsistent for as good as the voice acting is. Uh, for as much charm as this game has in terms of its sound direction overall, like the, the times I would switch over to the original soundtrack just to hear what it sounded like, I immediately want would want to run back to the remaster because it was just so much better. It's nothing special or spectacular. It's very tinny, somewhat annoying. Sometimes they they get it right, but most of the time it's I don't think the soundtrack is very good at all. Uh, and I think that's very endemic of most PC gaming at the time, because for whatever reason, even though this was running off CD-ROM, they hadn't figured out how to tie music to that yet, which was something the Sega CD and TurboGrafx CD were doing for quite some time. So I don't know why they couldn't do that, but they didn't. But uh, other than that, I mean that that's my one gripe. It's a pretty big gripe, I think. But ultimately, it's it's a mixed bag for me, just because the the, the voice acting here is so fantastic, yeah, and just the the general sounds are so fantastic, even the original, that I I can briefly overlook the at the at best mediocrity of the soundtrack itself
1: yeah so i think the 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 voice acting is clearly the standout feature here right i think we can all agree on that Mm -hmm. especially for the time it was it was very well done um i still think it is so okay i i don't have the same gripes about the soundtrack as chris does although i guess that might come from being someone who is just accustomed to that sort of era of PC games. So to me, it wasn't anything particularly unusual. I can see where you're coming from on it though. Definitely. Uh, However, though, the thing that stuck out to me actually more than anything was while I enjoyed a lot of the sound effects, especially some of the nonsensical ones. I mean, there are things that would happen where there's just a chicken noise because reasons, I don't know. you know, (laughs) But what really stood out to me about that, and this is like highly specific and probably only makes sense to me. There's probably like maybe there's five people out there that could be like, oh, yeah. But uh, my good friend and I, this probably would have been, I think, like mid 90s. So probably a few years after this game came out, we really got into using Windows Movie Maker back in the day to like make our own little like mini feature films like we we spent a stupid amount of time making just the dumbest shit and we thought it was great the thing that kept popping into my mind playing this game and listening to the sound effects i was just like i swear to god these are sound clips from like a soundboard that we used in move windows movie maker like i i feel like they were the same sound effects I'm not sure if that's a criticism on it at all. It's just something that I could not get out of my brain while playing through this game. But I, for the record, even playing the the remaster version, I specifically went in to the settings before I even started and swapped everything to OG, like all of the original music, original sound effects, because I wanted to experience that that way. So. I actually don't have a point of comparison for that because I didn't even listen to any of the remastered audio at all. I thought it was fine. The only thing that I actually took issue with was there was one specific, actually one specific room. It was the room in the future with Purple Tentacle when he's all like old and beardy. The music in that room, for whatever reason, is like markedly louder than any other (laughs) area in the game so much so that it drowns out the dialogue that was like my one gripe
0: you before I kick it over to Martin you do remind me of one thing how sometimes the dialogue and the the way they're talking doesn't always line up Mm -hmm. or on the screen where it has text and they'll finish talking before the text is done rolling so it'll be extremely awkward at times yeah that's a little bit of i did notice that and that that. was
1: actually the the worst place for that was that same room actually when the like militant green tentacle is doing his lines like it it was i think the game was programmed in such a way to like wait to trigger the next voice clip until after like the on-screen text had finished running through and so in some cases it made like this really weird pause all right martin what did you think of the sound
2: yeah, well, I'm going to echo everything about the voices because they are fantastic. Just by coincidence, in fact, that's something that I, was, I need to ask you guys, actually. Is this a coincidence or did you know that it's the 30-year anniversary of this game this
1: month? No, that, that is precisely why we're doing this episode.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, I did, because I've seen a lot of videos pop up and I, I watched one that I didn't realize they have proper voice actors and the guy that does the voice for the uh, for Doctor Fred is in all kinds. He's he's got hundreds of movie and video game and cartoon credits, and he's the voice of Kyle Katarn from the uh, Dark Forces and Jedi Knight games. If anyone's a fan of
1: them, oh uh, yeah,
2: yeah, hmm. he's he's yeah, really good. There's some cool interviews with him talking about his time doing it. But then in terms of the music, I I do like the music, I've got to say. Some of it is a bit repetitive, especially when you're switching between the time periods because the music is different, as you mentioned earlier, pretty much in every room you go in. So, And switching between time periods and walking around, it does mean you can hear the same 30, 40 seconds of a track every time, which did get a bit monotonous, but you kind of deal with it. But something that did happen with me, I don't know if this is a, because I played the remaster version on the PS4. There's times in the story where, sort of to progress the story on, it, there, you get like a, you know, the whole newspaper spinning towards the screen with a headline that will say, you know, tentacles take over the world or something. Mm-hmm. Every single time it did that on the PlayStation 4 version, that sound effect would keep repeating over and over again while I carried on playing, even though that cutscene had finished. And I had to quit the game and restart the game to get it to stop. And so that was kind of annoying. And it literally every single time, I think it's three or four times throughout the game. And yeah, it happened every time and I had to save my progress. Luckily, when I quit and restart, it would stop the noise. But yeah, that was a bit of a shame. It just seemed like quite a big thing. I don't know if it was just me, but seems seemed like a pretty big thing to notice. Yeah, I I didn't run into that at all. Uh, did you play on PC? Yeah, nor did I. I did, yeah. Uh, I wonder if it's a PlayStation thing. But uh, other Might than that, be. I think the sounds great. I really do like the sound effects as well, because, again, it keeps that Saturday morning cartoon vibe. It's just all kinds of whiz pops, honks, horns, strange animals. And, yeah, it's really good.
0: It sounds as good as it looks. So, so again, I'm the asshole Let's see how this goes. <laughs> it's great. Thanks. Thank you both. All right, so that about wraps up our episode, but we have one bit of miscellaneous information that, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a ton of it, but we have one that we'd like to discuss here really quick that our guest Martin wanted to bring up. So Martin, what, what do you have for us? Well,
2: hidden not particularly well in this game, you can actually play the entire original Maniac Mansion in this game. It's hidden within the game. Uh, And this actually applies to the original version as well, because I actually originally found this on the PC version back in the 90s. So it's not a remaster exclusive. This is no matter what version of the game you have, you can play the full version of Maniac Mansion. To do it, while you're playing as Bernard, at any point in the game, you go and meet, I forget what his name is, one of the Edison family, and he's collecting stamps, and he's the room with the hamster in it. Uh Mm-hmm and he's got his computer next to him and all you have to do is use the computer and then it loads the original maniac mansion and it's the full game you can play it all the way through it has its own save files i have never actually got more than about 10 minutes into it i don't think uh, in my life but it's a really cool thing to have yeah it's a really nice little feature
0: yeah i was afraid to try it because i wanted to just focus on the game but that that's that's incredible it's- I don't know if I'd put on the same levels like Satoru Iwata putting the entire Kanto region into uh, Pokemon Silver, but it is similar. Like you can make that argument. He may have been inspired. In fact, I (laughs) have heard that Satoru Iwata was inspired by Day of the Tentacle to put the Kanto region in Pokemon Silver and Gold. Did you hear that in the same bar that you heard that Chrono Trigger was inspired by Day of the Tentacle?
2: Was it the same bloke at the bar? How do you that know had a few whiskeys?
0: <laughs> I, I think he's reliable, man. I mean, <laughs> he's got a trustworthy face. Very trustworthy <laughs> face. It looks just like mine. <laughs> how, could, how could you deny such a face? That's very true. So, I mean, got to be true. Got to be true. It, I'm, I'm full of shit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane, did you try the Maniac Mansion in Day of the Tentacle?
1: I, I found it. And I I booted it up briefly, but I didn't actually start playing it. I kind of wanted to just to see because I actually wasn't sure if it was like A, if it was fully playable or if it was just like a neat little Easter egg. And and B, if it actually had its own save file. But it's nice to know that it does. But i am gonna be honest, I mean, apart from the the 30 year anniversary, I think maybe the other reason and this maybe this is just me. I don't know. But I think the other reason that we're talking about Day of the Tentacle before we even talk about. Maniac Mansion which I guess is kind of weird in its own way a little bit is I I don't I don't think Maniac Mansion is that good <laughs> like I agree. I,
0: I, really, I agree I
1: really don't like the death mechanic I think that is awful it sucks and mm. I'm so glad that this game threw that out and th- this one is a thousand times more forgiving as far as some of those things are, are concerned that even goes back to you Chris talking about like oh man I was worried if I used an item in a wrong place. I'd like fuck up the yeah. game, and I'd have to start over. Um, this game does yeah. not do that, which is nice. It's very nice. Uh, but no, I, I did not. Although I might at some, at some point.
0: All right, then. So I guess this leads us into our amazing section. I don't want to call it new. I was about to say a new section, but our hotly looked forward to section within our discord, which is our Patreon pontifications section. Mm. which I'll get it right this time. It is a three-step process. If you want to have your comment read in our Patreon pontification, one, become a Patreon over at our Linktree, which you can find, just click on the Patreon link right there. And you can join for as little as $1 a month. Second one is join our discord, which anyone can do, which is also at our link tree link, which you can find in the description notes. And then three, just post whatever you feel about the topic coming up. You also technically get a preview of what games are going to be coming up on our show. So there you go. Three step process about how you can get your comments right at this section of the show. So, Shane, do you want to start this one
1: off? I would love to. Kicking things off, we've got Tony G who says this game is like if the bad boy sticker from the 90s got turned into a game but was written by nerds. It made me chuckle, (laughs) but I wouldn't huck huck yuck over it. (laughs) I feel like that's a, is that, is that like a, is that a goofy reference? It
0: it might be. (laughs) Yeah. Goofy, who is now deep inside our souls. That's that. Yes. So deep. He yucks within us all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. He yucks the yuck. Storm Beagle says day of the tentacle rules. Back in the day, we had the Indiana Jones point and click adventure game and tentacle. I was always gravitated to tentacle. I loved it. Thank you, Storm Beagle.
1: All right, next up, we've got Lyle, who says, I spend a lot of time getting it running correctly under Linux slash wine and then promptly didn't play it very long. So congrats, Lyle. Uh, but I'm glad you got what? it running. What's wine? It's a thing that allows you to play Windows games on Linux. Oh, Hmm. so be, was it Winnie? No, it's just pronounced wine.
0: Oh, oh, OK. Yeah, because like Linux is for PC snobs make sure it was. Yeah, makes sense that it's wine and not Winnie. Both would be applicable anyway. Sorry, Lyle. I love you. Adam from the Good, the Bad, and the Backlog podcast says, "Day of the Tentacle was not what I was expecting. I'm more accustomed to the Japanese-style tentacles, so I found this game to be too tame for my tastes." I thank you, Adam. So I am surprised that there haven't been any uh,
2: comments about tentacles. Let's just say we got one. Yeah, we're just leaving
1: it for Adam because we knew that <laughs> yeah. we knew he was gonna you know do that for us. So thank you. All right, and last but certainly not least, we have Masked Keaton, the high score challenge host, who says, Day of the Tentacle is phenomenal. The use of one location set over three time periods is an incredibly unique mechanic in the point and click adventure game genre that creates puzzles and puzzle solutions you will not find in your average game. It's very true.
0: Big fan. Yeah, we we know Masked Keaton's a big fan of this game, and he loves Maniac Mansion as well. Thanks for writing in, Keaton, and thanks for hosting that high score challenge for us. Look forward to the month of August. And that does it for our Patreon pontifications for this episode. So that means we're going to roll right into whether or not we think this game holds up today. As is tradition, myself and Shane will go first before letting our guest have the final word. So, Shane, Hmm. how about you let us know whether or not you think this game holds up in the year 2023?
1: Ugh. Uh <laughs> all right, let's see. So I am going to say, and I, I feel like I'm gonna get some blowback for this, but generally speaking, I feel like most adventure slash point and click adventure games don't actually hold up very well today. <laughs> like at all. There is listen, as much as I enjoyed things like Grim Fandango and some of those, you know, other really standout titles. I, it it's, they're rough to go back to, I, they really are. And I, I feel like that is a big reason as to why you don't see a lot of those. And even if you do with something like the last door, there's a lot of more modern quality of life enhancements that have been made to, I think, make the style of gameplay a lot more palatable. And so this isn't a specific like knock on Day of the Tentacle, I don't think. I think this is more of just a, I guess, an indictment of the, the genre in general, and that I'm not sure that they hold up today at all. But if, if, if you were going to p- go back and play a point and click adventure, you could definitely do far, far worse than Day of the Tentacle, especially with the remaster, which was very well done. So, I, I guess it's a kind of yes with the very strong caveats of just understand what you're getting yourself into. It is of its time fr- from the gameplay mechanics perspective. And unless you are going to go into it solely to just experience it and play through with a guide to kind of circumvent a lot of the admittedly pretty frustrating backtracking and just kind of getting stuck because you have no clue what you're supposed to do next just be prepared to spend a lot of time probably more than you would think like I said going into this game with a guide I it took me about four and a half hours but you can definitely expect to take far far more than that if you're going to go in and try to figure it all out on your own so uh, that's a lot to say kind of I don't want to outright say no because I think there's a lot of great things this game has going for it But just adventure games in general, man, are just really hard to go back to. So I'm going to say, yeah, with a lot of very big flashing neon, like caution signs.
0: I think I'm mostly in alignment with you, Shane. By the way, this game is also our review crew game of the month in our discord. And I posted a review there and I wasn't entirely favorable to it. And, you know, here I'm going to say much of the same things I said in our Discord server, but I put a spoiler on there because I want you to listen to this episode, of course. (laughs) There is so much to love about this game. There really is. It's entirely charming from start to finish. It's one of the most charming games I've played in recent memory. The humor doesn't always like it doesn't it's not like doesn't have me just like having belly aches laughing my ass off. Like that's not the kind of humor that this game has. But It's it's humor in so much that, like I said earlier, you can tell the people who made this game had a ton of fun making that and it shines through so, so much. Uh, The voice acting is incredible. The writing is incredible. The the atmosphere and just all the set pieces are just displayed so, so well. And it makes me hate the fact that this is an adventure game. There there's a reason that this genre died, in my opinion. And a lot of those reasons are present in Day of the Tentacle. I think Shane did do a really good job of explaining that if you're going to go for an adventure game, you have far worse options like Maniac Mansion that we mentioned earlier, because eventually, if you really want to, you're going to be able to beat this game. If you click on enough things, if you do enough stuff, you're you're going to be able to reach your objective. There's there's not really a penalty for anything that you do. If you can't use something on something, it's not going to allow you to. And eventually, one way or another, brute force, as Martin mentioned, you're you're going to find your way to the end. So there's always that option. But that's kind of the thing. At that point, you're really having are you really enjoying yourself? I would argue no. But at the same point, I know that there's a lot of people out there that do like games like this specifically, like they want to play these type of games. From what I can tell, maybe I might be off base a little bit. There seems to be a little bit of an adventure point and click renaissance going on at the moment. Not a major one. It does kind of go back to the last door. I've seen more indie projects kind of come up there trying to revive this. I also know that uh, the creator of the King's Quest games on uh, the Sierra Online, I forgot their names. That's horrible. It's like, I think I don't even want to attempt it because I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, but the Sierra Online uh, creators who made the original King's Quest series. They're coming back and they're making a game. So this is the adventure genre is something that people are looking right now oddly. And this, I think, from the genre of the era, this is a standout. This is definitely a standout. This is a premier example of what the genre could do at that time. That being said, today, it's it's still an adventure game and it's still an example of why that genre died. So ultimately, I'm going to say say no. But if you do see it on sale for like two and a half bucks, which this game does do, or you see it on game pass, which this game is on at the time of this recording, I highly recommend you, you pick this up, see what you can do without a guide. And if you're irritated, play through it with a guide, because I think the experience is endearing. And I think you're still going to enjoy yourself. So as a game, not so much as something outside of being a game as a piece of art, as I guess, like you could consider it to be a movie or a TV show. Absolutely. But the game itself, I, I think it's just been lost to time. in it, it is obscurity. In, in very dated mechanics, yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean no, but uh, you're still going to have fun while you play it, if that even makes sense. This leaves with Martin, who's going to close us out. Have the final word on whether or not this game holds up today. Martin, bring us home. I may surprise you slightly here. In terms of if it holds
2: up, yes, I, I do think it does. I, I think it is one of the best, if not the best, one of these types of games, point and click adventure games. It ticks every box on paper, pretty much. But in terms of would I recommend it, it's very difficult. I guess this is a game that I want everyone to play, but I know that not everyone should play it, because, like you say, it's of its era. There, there is no, I mean, we said it before, but there is no hand-holding. The puzzles are not real logic. People will get frustrated. There's no hint system, anything like that. My barometer for should I recommend a game to someone is is my friend Belt Buckle Bill, who will play a game for sort of a few minutes, and if he can't immediately do it, then it's rubbish. Uh, and <laughs> I feel like that's quite common for a lot of people now. If it's not something you can kind of immediately get into and make immediate progress, then it kind of loses interest quite quickly. Which I think this could fall into that trap and. Again, like we've said before, this isn't specific to this game. It's just the the type of game and the era that they're from. But I I do think everyone should play it, but I'm well aware that a lot of people will be turned off, probably within the first hour, of being stuck in a hallway and having three rooms to go in and no idea what the hell you're meant to be doing. But I've got my nostalgia goggles on, so I still love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair well thank
0: you very much martin And thank you for being on this episode we loved having you here i know it's a long time coming but uh we we finally we finally got you yeah this is good fun thank you so much really appreciate it thank
1: you before we go into our little spiel that we generally like to do uh we always like to make sure that our guests get a chance to uh, let the folks at home know what it is they do and and where they can find them so uh martin Would you like to let the people know how to to find what it is you do on the internet? Yes, thank you. Uh,
2: Yeah, you can find me at The Reviews Brothers on YouTube or Instagram. That's the only ones I have. I'm useless on any kind of social media where I have loads and loads of cool retro video reviews and things like that currently doing a series on the a to z of playstation one hidden gems letter by letter 10 games per letter and man i wish i hadn't started that series but it's going well so <laughs> yeah it's, and then i suddenly now that is oh shit that's 260 games yeah it's a lot of games not enough we'll time it. so make sure you come and watch it so
1: it's all worthwhile beautiful all right and uh as far as we're concerned, if you're listening to this, then that does mean that you already found us, so good on you, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you haven't had a chance yet, you should go back and uh, check out the old backlog, because there's there's quite a bit there, and you could do that as well as go and check out things like our merch store and the Patreon, as Chris mentioned earlier, if you'd like to support the show in that fashion, as well as all our socials and our YouTube channel and the Twitch TV. All of that is in one convenient place, and that just happens to be the Linktree. So head on over to Linktree slash RetroHangover. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash RetroHangover. And uh, click or tap the button that tickles your fancy. Ooh. And uh, Chris, what, what is it that we do on the Twitch television? So thank you, Shane. So if you head over to Twitch.TV slash
0: RetroHangover, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time US, you will find us playing video games more than likely or just trying to fix an Xbox controller, which I did at the start of our most recent stream. But either way, eventually we'll get to the games. And if you have nothing better to do, if you're bored, if you're lonely on a Sunday night, well, we might not be the best place to go, but we are an option. So if you <laughs> head over to twitch.tv retrohangover retro hangover, you will find us doing something with with great company, great people who stop by our channel have great conversations that go all sorts of directions that who knows where they go. They they just go and we we entertain them. But uh, once again, twitch.tv slash Retro Hangover, 9 p.m. Eastern Time U.S. See you
1: there. All right. Well, I suppose with all of that being said, until next time, play with your. Oh, look, another specimen joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part, no added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly B-I-T slash RHP Bones. That's bitly dot slash